0: Welcome to The Joshua Matos Show, your place for diving deep into the vast field of software engineering. I'm Joshua Matos, your full-stack software engineer, and I'm here to make sure you become the most awesome software engineer. Today's episode, we'll be exploring event-driven architecture, event dispatching, Spring Cloud Dataflow, and advanced message queuing protocol. We'll touch on some of the cloud services you can use too. So what is event-driven architecture? Why should we care about it? And most excitingly, what can we achieve with it? Suppose you did know how to leverage these powerful tools. In that case, you can transform your organization by enabling them to implement microservices, event-driven architecture, and most importantly, allow your teams to make real-time data-driven decisions. Knowing about event-driven architecture and how to leverage message broker systems will make you an invaluable asset as a software engineer. Event-Driven Architecture, EDA, is a software design paradigm centered on events driving communication. For instance, an item purchased at a counter triggers an event to update the inventory. Its design really emphasizes the production, detection, and consumption of events. Events are triggered, communication is made, decoupled services collaborate, and the systems rely on eventual consistency. We'll talk a little bit more about eventual consistency later. EDA decouples services and enables asynchronous communication, which makes your environment scalable. This decoupling mechanism alleviates bottlenecks. Your application doesn't have to wait for a message to be received. Applications continue with their workload while sending information elsewhere to be processed. Imagine if the customer had to wait for the inventory item to be updated before being able to make the purchase. Applications become more resilient to failure as services can operate independently if a service encounters an issue. The rest of your system will continue to run. This fault-tolerant nature ensures the systems remain functional, delivering consistent and uninterrupted services. Event-driven applications core strength lies in its ability to build systems that respond to events real-time. By proactively reacting to events, applications can provide instantaneous updates, real-time notifications, and dynamic responses, enhancing user experience and driving data decision making. It's worth noting that Spring Boot uses concepts of event dispatching to enable the publication of events to other services. This powerful pattern can be implemented with or without a message broker system. Streaming is another technique within EDA, enables the processing of events as they occur, such as financial data or sensor data, Streams can be used for filtering data, data enrichment, and other technologies like machine learning. In an event-driven architecture, separate microservices may be responsible for their part of the domain. It could be an inventory equipment or a user domain. In an EDA, these systems would either publish or consume events. The messages can be sent to all systems, only one or several. In this type of architecture, communication is asynchronous. Events may not always arrive simultaneously. Your customer may purchase an item that sends an event that updates the inventory and cart system. These messages will not necessarily arrive at the same time, which is otherwise known as eventual consistency. EDA is powerful, but not ubiquitous. So you may have to move your organization or software development team toward an event driven architecture. One issue you may encounter when introducing an event-driven architecture into your company is that the current code base is monolithic, meaning the applications are tightly coupled. The front-end and back-end services are tied closely, often in the same repository. Monoliths are usually deployed as a single indivisible unit. Shifting to an event-driven architecture creates a more resilient and scalable infrastructure. The first step often involves moving to microservices. Simply separating the back and front ends can most easily accomplish this. Doing something as simple as this can help shift your organization mindset on designing and coding software. Another approach is to create a new service independent of the application. Does the application require a new inventory service? Create a separate backend only that responds to inventories. As time passes, you can introduce new technologies that facilitate your microservices and enables event-driven architecture. Let's talk about Spring Boot's event dispatching and how to use it to improve your software development. Events are a tool that allow different parts of your application to communicate with each other and help ensure your application remains decoupled. Often, when one part of your application needs to collaborate with another part, you'll inject one class into another and then call one of its methods. Or an API is introduced into an application used throughout the code base essentially coupling your application tightly. In Spring Boot, you can implement event dispatching to help overcome this pitfall by extending the application abstract class or using another pre-built type, such as the application event publisher class that lets you publish events right into Spring Context. Events can fire off to another service that can exist inside your code base or with minimal configuration externally. These are many use cases for event dispatching. It's vital that you know what they are. The more you know about it, the better. You can use event dispatching to log events in your application. This can help with debugging and monitoring. Depending on your environment, you can come up with exciting use cases, such as sending logs to a database for storage or a security service. Event dispatching can notify users on other systems when certain events occur. This can be used for sending email notifications when a new user registers or SMS notifications when a product is out of stock. Event dispatching can coordinate the behavior of different parts of your application. For example, you could use event dispatching for adding a student to a university and a roster for a university class in two separate databases in your architecture. You'll likely start with this approach as it's the simplest to implement. You'll rely on events to execute other parts of your code and only verify the event was triggered in a unit or integration test. Event dispatching is a powerful technique that can make your application more modular, reusable, and easier to test. If you still need to start using event dispatching, I encourage you to try it. You may be surprised at how much it can improve your code. The caveat being is that it can also complicate your code if it isn't clear that other events are being triggered. Now, when you start leaning towards an event-driven architecture, there are some questions you should ask yourself. How resilient are my events? Can I scale my systems depending on the use case? Suppose you fire an event. However, the event never reaches its intended target along the way. This could be for any reason, the application crashing or a network error. How do we make events more resilient? A great way to make a more resilient, event-driven architecture is to offload your events to another service asynchronously. This is AMPQ, or Advanced Messaging Queuing Protocol, at the heart of asynchronous communication protocols. AMPQ is a protocol that standardizes how messages should be transported between applications, like the shipping lanes of our ocean. AMPQ specifies how messages are formatted, addressed, transported, and confirmed. Ensuring reliable and predictable point-to-point or point-to-multipoint communications. The protocol is designed around these core concepts. Exchanges, queues, bindings, and topics. Exchanges are entry points for messages they are akin to ports of countries where messages or ships first arrive from a publisher. Queues are buffers that store messages. If exchanges are ports, queues are the harbors where our ships are stored until they can be processed. Messages are processed in order, first in, first out, just like the grocery checkout line. Bindings are a type of rule that exchanges use to route messages into queues. Think of them as intercontinental routes that define where each ship should go. The routing key determines which column the message should go to, whether it's one queue or many. AMP has different types of exchanges, namely four, direct, topic, fanout, and headers. Typically, you hear about topics, a form of routing, where messages are routed based on a match between a message routing key and the pattern used to bind a queue to an exchange. The routing key is a short string the message producer generates specifying the topic to which the message belongs. It can contain wildcards. For example, the routing key System.Status would match the pattern system. wildcard which would route the message to any queue bound to the exchange with the same pattern. Direct exchanges also allow the message to be routed on the specific routing key. It's a simple unicast routing. If you have a queue whose binding is the same, that's where it will go. Fan out exchanges, where the routing key is ignored, the message is sent out to all queues bound to the exchange. If There's a scenario where you need to send a message to multiple queues, this is the one for you. Header exchanges rely on header values instead of routing keys. Of course, for all these messages being routed, you'll have publishers and consumers of those messages. Publishers create messages and send them to exchanges. Exchanges use bindings or rules to decide how to route messages to queues that end up at a consumer. A monitoring service can subscribe to a topic that starts with a key and a wildcard and consume relevant messages such as system.status. One of the major strengths of a is its reliability. The protocol guarantees messages delivery through acknowledgement. If a message isn't acknowledged, the protocol knows the message wasn't correctly delivered and tries again. This ensures that no message gets lost. And to stay analogous is to say it ensures our ships aren't lost in the vast ocean void, enhancing the communication and system reliability. In an event driven architecture, the reliability of messages is essential. Ensuring an event was received is an integral part of designing an EDA. Now, let's talk about RabbitMQ, a popular message broker that implements the AMPQ protocol. RabbitMQ, at its core, is an open source message broker software that implements the advanced message queuing protocol. It's designed to enable communications between different parts of a system. If you wanted to ensure your SpringBlue application events were robust and communicate between dispersed and separate systems, you'd use a message broker like RabbitMQ. If you have a server located somewhere else or want to share with a system in the cloud, such as an S3 bucket or a database in a Kubernetes pod, picture RabbitMQ as an intergalactic post office. Your applications or planets, if we stick to our cosmic metaphor, sends messages to the message broker RabbitMQ. Ensuring they are delivered to the correct recipients, no matter where their system is located in the solar system. One of the greatest strengths of RabbitMQ is its support for various messaging patterns. RabbitMQ has work or task queues. If you have a resource-intensive task you don't want to wait to complete, you can send it as a message to a work queue, where multiple workers will execute it. And it does all the functions you would expect from AMPQ message brokers, such as publish, subscribing, routing, and using topics. RabbitMQ is resilient to failure. It guarantees that a message will be delivered even if the receiver is not ready when it's sent, or if some other parts of the system have crashed. RabbitMQ can be integrated with Spring Boot, enabling your applications to communicate using events resiliently. Spring Boot provides abstractions and integrations to work with RabbitMQ namely the Spring AMPQ project. It provides templates for sending and receiving messages, containers, and makes it easier to implement in your project. RabbitMQ added stream support in version 3.11. They offer large fan outs, allowing multiple applications to read the same message. It also has time travel so that streams can replay data. Streams have timestamps where a part of the stream can be picked and the data replayed. Streams are persistent and in RabbitMQ replicate a non-destructive, append-only log. These features for RabbitMQ are a game changer and helped it to compete with Apache Kafka. Normally in a RabbitMQ scenario, messages are deleted from the queue whenever a message is consumed. However, streams allow a consumer to go to any point in a log and read from there. RabbitMQ was designed to have any empty state. However, now with stream support, you can have large backlogs that store data. There's so much more to RabbitMQ. It's a great option for anyone looking to implement a message broker into their architecture. Now, let's take a deeper look into Apache Kafka. Apache Kafka is a distributed event streaming platform born out of LinkedIn to handle their growing data and activity. In simple terms, Kafka allows us to send messages from one application to another, from one system to another in real time using a publish and subscribe model as well. Much like a courier service, it ensures our messages or events reach their intended recipient. But Kafka is not just a messaging system. It's a streaming platform that can store, process, and analyze streams of records in real time. It can handle trillions of daily events, making it a favorite among tech giants like Twitter, Netflix, and Uber. Apache Kafka is particularly valuable in modern applications for several reasons. Its ability to handle real-time data makes it ideal for event-driven architecture, where the goal is to detect and react to changes in the state of data as soon as they occur. Let's say you have a retail application. Every time a customer places an order, this generates an event. Kafka can ingest this event and notify various parts of the application. Perhaps the event system needs to update its stock The billing system needs to issue an invoice, and the customer needs a confirmation email. This can be handled with Kafka, allowing for real-time, efficient processing. Of course, the billing and inventory and customer systems would listen for the event. When each received the order event, they would act, whether it was updating their stock, issuing an invoice, or sending an email confirmation. The retail application is effectively decoupled from the rest of the system. We could scale and evolve each system independently of each other. You can then link this information to a visualization dashboard to view real-time analytics and provide your organization with business insights. Events would be stored in a queue. Your dashboard of choice or multiple dashboards would subscribe to the queue and all this would happen in real-time. Kafka allows for replaying events as it maintains a log of all the events that have passed through it. This can be useful for debugging recovery during system failures or different use cases such as machine learning that may need access to its data in different ways. How long you can keep your data can be configured using a retention policy. Integrating Kafka with your application can take it to the next level. A distributed streaming platform like Apache Kafka can create a robust and resilient architecture for real-time data processing. Streaming can perform machine learning, real-time, anomaly detection, and data enrichment. Data enrichment is simply taking data from one system and then adding data to it from another source. Suppose you have a database that stores user profiles and another that stores customer order data. This data is combined into a single data structure and returned to a consumer, such as the user's current cart. The shopping cart service would subscribe to the user profile and transaction topics. This data could then be enriched inside the service to display a profile and order data. A combination of decoupled systems coming together. You can update legacy systems with minimal interruption to users, transform and filter data in real time, and connect systems through a publish and subscribe model. A good thing to know about Apache Kafka is that it uses connectors to connect to external systems. Source connectors can extract data from a database, send it to Apache Kafka, And then a sync connector can take that data from Apache Kafka and put it into another database. Syncs usually act on the data you are working with in some way. You can track changes to the database using Change Data Capture, CDC, which comes in two flavors. Either you can use CDC logs or CDC query. CDC logs examine the database transaction or bin logs. The types of logs will vary depending on the database. Logs are performant and aware of deletes in the database. However, it can require special permissions to set up. You can also use CDC query. It's less performant and relies on sending a query. Because of this, it can only know what is inside of the database. Earlier, I mentioned Spring Cloud Dataflow. Spring Cloud Dataflow is a powerful cloud native toolkit that allows for developing and managing data integration and real-time data processing and pipelines. If you're building a Spring Boot application, it's a no brainer. Organizations deal with massive volumes of data, and the ability to efficiently process, transform, and analyze data is critical. Now, Spring Cloud Flow provides a comprehensive solution to these challenges, offering a flexible and scalable platform for building and managing data pipelines. It has security by standardizing an OAuth 2.0 and OpenID Connect for authentication and authorization. It enables continuous delivery and allows for upgrades and rollbacks of your pipelines. Now, Dataflow serves as a great way to enable an event-driven architecture. It's also used with Spring Cloud Stream App Starters and has 60 pre-built sources so developers can kickstart their solutions. That's JMS Source, MongoDB, RabbitMQ, Gemfire. Cloud Dataflow is also an open source framework built on top of the popular Spring Boot and Spring Cloud projects. It provides a platform for data-driven microservice applications. You can compose and orchestrate data processing pipelines, known as streams, and tasks based on applications to handle batch processing. It supports multiple programming models such as Cloud Stream and Task. The platform is also Polygot, supporting Kafka, Python, .NET, and other technology. PolyGOT simply means that the platform can support multiple languages. Dataflow offers a pluggable message broker, including support for RapidMQ, Apache Kafka, and Amazon Kinesis. It also has monitoring and management features to gain insights into the pipeline's performance. Monitor metrics troubleshoot issues and dynamically adjust the pipeline to optimize data processing. It's a great tool for orchestrating streams, you can have it batched in workflows, scale data pipelines, and orchestrate tasks. Combined with other tools and technologies, you can create an event-driven architecture with a RabbitMQ or Apache Kafka and a Spring Cloud Dataflow. Developing and learning an event-driven architecture will always level up your skills. I would be remiss if I didn't mention how you as a software engineer can get these technologies in the cloud, whether it's AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure. AWS offers Amazon MQ, uh, Apache ActiveMQ, RabbitMQ, Amazon Kinesis, Google Cloud has uh, Cloud PubSub, Cloud Dataflow, Azure has Azure Service Bus, Event Hub, and Event Grid. As your skill set grows as a software engineer, you need to provide solutions to your company, and the best solution may be to host your services in Kubernetes or to move them to a managed service. Let me know what service you decided to go with and how you're implementing your event-driven architecture. This has been another episode of the Joshua Mato Show. Thanks for sticking around and I'll see you later.